You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Blue Jays talk and knowledge coming directly into your ears. This is Ryan Andrews. Back with you for another Fan Friday edition of the Locked on Jays podcast. First one last week went pretty well, so we're going to continue it. We're going to have some thoughts from Blue Jays fans coming on later in the episode. But uh, first, you know, there was a lot of baseball yesterday, so I figured we'd go for it right quick. Uh, Blue Jays earned a split of their doubleheader with Cleveland on Thursday, winning the first game 13-11 in extras in a game that seemed like it would never end. And then uh kind of wish it didn't end because the second game was not great. A 13-4 loss for Toronto to Cleveland. So again, they split the doubleheader. They win the series finally a month later. But the big story yesterday was the return of Josh Donaldson to the lineup and Josh Donaldson looked great. He looked exactly like the Josh Donaldson of old, which is huge for this Blue Jays team because they he was not the Josh Donaldson of old earlier. He he was missing throws. He wasn't generating much at the plate. So to see him struggling before like that, it it made you understand the DL stint, but now that he's back and you know, homering in each game yesterday is huge. Like like uh Again, when we were talking on Wednesday about power threats in the Blue Jays lineup, the fact that Donaldson wasn't in there was a big hole for Toronto. Outside of uh, Kendris Morales and Janervis Alarte, who we'll talk about in a sec, there was no consistent threat to go yard in the Blue Jays lineup. So giving getting Donaldson back in there greatly helps with that. And And again... The he looked he looked normal, which is what fans needed to see. He looked like the Josh Donaldson that people remember, especially um, on that throw in the first game uh, to get Francisco Lindor at first. Which, um, as uh, as Ben, aka at the Real Stig Four, noted, like that was that was a big thing that Toronto needed to see that that the shoulder was fine it that it looked normal i mean that that's the biggest thing for Donaldson it what it Ben noted that it didn't look like it had as much zip but it was definitely a lot closer to what Donaldson had last year as opposed to what he had at the start of April which the Blue Jays need at third base they need that defense that cannon arm to help cut down on some of these ground balls so Donaldson coming back looking like he normally did that was huge for this Blue Jays team and you know hopefully it carries on into this next series with Tampa Bay coming up then the other the other star was obviously Janervis Solarte set up Blue Jays record with eight hits in the doubleheader yesterday, broke uh, Paul Molitor's record for most hits in a doubleheader. And and again, just, just the consistent power threat that Solarte provided. 
with that big grand slam in the top of the 11th that uh, the Blue Jays needed every bit of, given Osuna struggling in the bottom of the ninth there. But see Solarte be able to provide that kind of production. And, and this is the kind of thing the Blue Jays were looking for when they got Solarte, a guy who th- they could plug in at various points in the diamond and get consistent production from every time they did that. Solarte provided it in spades yesterday, and he's been providing it throughout the Blue, the Blue Jays season. He, he raised his average up to 287 with his performance yesterday, clocked his ninth home run. That actually leads American League players who are joining a new team this year. And it it, it gives you some some hope, some some consistency, something you can hang your hat on every day. Like Solarte is gonna go out there and hit. Again, last year the Blue Jays didn't have that. You could bank on them consistently going to the plate and striking out. You could bank on them hitting into ground balls but Solarte being able to provide a, a, a consistent offensive jolt in that lineup is it's been key to the Blue Jays success so far this season it will be key to their success for the rest of the year and Solarte is gonna gonna keep playing there's no way his bats leaving the lineup like Devin Travis might have to get comfy in Buffalo because Solarte is going to be playing every day the way he's been hitting um, one negative thing to take away, we do have to talk about the second game as, as much as I'm sure everyone is loath to do like it, it was a game that the Blue Jays were never going to have a good time in what with the roster stretched in and, and made even thinner with, uh, Steve Pierce's rib injury, Pierce going on the DL in the middle of the doubleheader yesterday to help bring up an extra bat. Uh, it, it, it is what it is. Like Joe, Joe Biagini went out there and proved once again, he is not an MLB starter. He's great MLB reliever. He can go out there for two innings and just light people up, but he is not an MLB starter. He does not have the stamina to go out there and deliver a consistent five innings and, you know, pour one out for Luis Santos, the sacrificial lamb of the second game of yesterday's doubleheader had his contract purchased from Buffalo and immediately goes out and gives up six runs in an inning and two thirds, a a Dermody esque 32.4 ERA for Luis Santos. So I, I don't, I, I don't know if he gets a shot to, to bring that ERA down a little bit. I kind of speculated that he, his contract was purchased because he was, going to be much easier to sneak off the 40 man but eh, i i feel for he he did what the blue jays need him to do which is soak up pitches it's just a shame he was completely ineffective with his pitches at, at least carlos ramirez got out there and and looked decent he was wild four walks in in two innings but he he limited the hits which was a big part of his success last year he people were not touching him with the bat so as long as Ramirez can continue to do that, he has a better shot of sticking around a little while longer, especially with Danny Barnes now optioned to Buffalo for the next 10 days, which hopefully Barnes uses that to to kind of refresh. Barnes was starting to get away from what made him successful. You could see him giving up more more long fly balls. So Barnes should be able to use this as a kind of reset. And hopefully he comes back to Toronto 
ready to take take on that versatile role in the bullpen because like he's not going to be the seventh inning guy anymore like he was last year and in the early part of this year because that's that's Tyler Clippard. Tyler Clippard has completely absorbed that role. So we'll get some more of uh, the fan thoughts on the doubleheader there right after this. All right, and we are back now. Again, I wanted I wanted to touch on this a little bit because I I had a conversation yesterday uh, with Jacqueline Anderson on Twitter at Jacqueline Ander. Uh, she wanted to talk about why this doubleheader existed at all. Why teams were forced to put themselves in a position where where you have guys just just getting hurt all over the place with a Pierce injury. Um, Aledmus Diaz took a bad slide, looked like his wrist might have been hurting a bit. Uh, Jan Hervis with the epic face plant into third base that, you know, Darwin Barney forever off the hook. He no longer has the worst slide into third base in Blue Jays history. Um, Salarte should have taken those swimming lessons. But it was apparent on the Cleveland side as well with uh, Nick Goody leaving that game with an elbow issue. It looked like Tommy John on the spot for Nick Goody. And Jacqueline commented that it it's a, it's an avoidable issue with the way all these rainouts and and weather postponements force teams into double headers like this where they should have had an off day where they should have had the recovery time and Jacqueline brings up a good point how many stadiums were built during that boon in the late 2000s in the northern part of the continent that weren't properly made for the northern part of the continent like like PNC Park in in Pittsburgh Great American in Cincinnati, uh, Comerica in Detroit. The, these parks were all built for, for like, they were built for aesthetic purposes rather than functional purposes. Hence why you have so many games just being consistently snowed out, rained out in April. There, there was no reason for Major League Baseball to be playing games in northern climates in April without a dome in place. And and I I get it. You're you're building these ballparks for July and and August and you know, the fans need to see the skyline. They need to see the... I've never maybe this is because I've only gone to baseball games in Toronto. I've never gone to a baseball game and been like, "Oh, well, I I would enjoy the game, but I'm really enjoying this view of that skyscraper over there. Oh, that's 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 pleasing me while I chomp on this $2 hot dog." No. That's not why I go to a ball game. I go to a ball game to see the action on the field. I go to see the plays on the field. I'm not looking up into the sky unless someone jacks a home run up there. And when they do that, I'm not basking in the glow of 1920s architecture. I'm wondering if this is going to be another three-run shot against my team. Or, you know, a long fly ball to the warning track. The the thought process that went into the constru- constructing these stadiums was stupid, and and I agreed with Jacqueline on this that there really should have been a, like Minnesota Target Field. There was no excuse for not having Target Field prepped properly for Minnesota climates. Minnesota, I'm pretty sure, still gets snow into May. So why was that not built with with keeping the game going in mind? 
and and I know that some of these stadiums are classic historic pieces of architecture that you're not going to do anything with. Fenway Park, um, you're not going to to put a dome over Fenway Park. You're not going to do that over Yankee Stadium. You're not going to do that on Wrigley Field. But these newer ones, these new cookie cutter ones that they build, I have no excuse. I'm sorry. And the other the other solution to this uh, this problem is don't play games there. Don't play games there in in, in the early part of April at all. There, at least 14 of the 30 Major League Baseball franchises have parks where you are going to be unaffected by weather or have domes. So play all your early April series there. Play, the, play them in California. Play them in Texas. Play them in Milwaukee, which has a dome. Play them in Toronto, which has a dome. Didn't help against Kansas City, but at least that was an easy fix. So play there. Play Seattle. Play Atlanta. If play Arizona, play play these places where you know you're going to get the game in and keep your players healthy as opposed to just jamming them out there and expecting them to just just tool through a game with no problem. We saw yesterday there are problems. You, you can't keep grinding players like that because they're going to get hurt. And it's something that probably should be brought up in the next collective bargaining agreement that you you can't you you can't have these these players jamming a schedule in because that defeats the whole purpose of starting in March. Start these games in in the southern climes. Do do like MLS. MLS does this. They they have Toronto and Montreal and Chicago go on these long road trips to start the season, and then they come back when the weather is nice and you can actually enjoy it, as opposed to you know trying to smuggle a space heater into the stadium so you're not freezing. I don't know. It's yeah, it's a simple fix I think would help the health of the ball players and would would actually help the fans as well cuz the fans will actually enjoy it much better than than just sitting at home with a useless ticket because of blizzards raging outside. Um one other thing I wanted to mention. I I appreciate the comments on the point counterpoint that we had on Monday. A lot of good responses from that. So I think we're going to be doing that again soon next week. Um, I will admit, and Ben uh, at the Real Stig 4 pointed this out to me again. Uh, I lost both sides. I I, I said I, I would take on the Herculean task of defending Kendris Morales. So that uh, Steven would have one 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 argument for one argument against so we'd split that up i managed to get both wrong um marcus stroman again had a very good start on wednesday and kendris morales went like over 10 during the double header and once again was just fishing at those curveballs so i will admit defeat on that i will have steven back on for an- for another installment at some point soon and we we will even the score there a little bit because I don't like losing. I, I, I'm sure fans of the podcast know that. I don't like losing in anything. So I, I'm chomping at the bit to get him back on here so I can put him in his place. One other thing I wanted to mention right quick. Uh, this news broke uh, earlier this afternoon before we recorded. Dalton Pompey is finally back up with the Blue Jays. It's been a long time coming for him. But he did get the call up from Buffalo today, it looks like. He'll be part of the reinforcements after that doubleheader. So we're at, 
I'm actually very happy to see Pompey back up. He's deserved the shot. He's he's overcome a multitude of injuries, and this will this might be Pompey's last true chance to really crack the Blue Jays with with guys like Alford and, and Smith Jr. already in there, and with T. Oscar Hernandez locking up right field right before our eyes. This is probably going to be Pompey's last best chance to really stick with the club to prove he should be a guy getting a spot when uh, Curtis Granderson moves on, when Steve Pierce moves on. So I hope Pompey can make the best of this opportunity. And I, I think the speed that he brings will help on the base paths. And you know, I know that's been Pompey's calling card, but we'll see if the bat has come around as well because that's going to be the key for Pompey to stick around. He needs to prove that he can provide something other than his legs offensively. So wish the best to Pompey for that. Um, and that will bring us to the end of this Friday edition. Um, getting set to watch the Jays close out this road trip against the Rays. And then finally that, that well-deserved off day on May 8th, which I'm sure every single one of those guys is looking forward to has been looking forward to for the past like three weeks because this has been a brutal stretch of baseball. The fact that the Blue Jays are still sitting well above 500 at this point is amazing and and proof that this Blue Jays team is good and is is a contender for a playoff spot. If they can get the rotation in check, which we will more than likely be talking about next week, uh, th- it can be a real threat in the American League and and uh, we'll be looking forward to talking about that. Also be looking forward to see Jose Bautista. He got called up today by Atlanta, uh, posted a wonderful piece on the Players' Tribune. That was awesome. I've, I've really enjoyed seeing that because as, as acrimoniously as the relationship ended this season, it, it was good to remember everything Bautista did from the moment he got here as a sparsely used utility man. So it was it was great to see that from Bautista, and I I know all the fans really appreciate what Bautista did, and here it's no exception. Jose Bautista will forever be a Blue Jay. That bat flip is for is permanently etched. Like they they're gonna make a statue of that bat flip, guarantee you that. I don't know, play this like ten years into the in the future. I I guarantee there will be a bat flip statue outside of rogers center or whatever new ballpark the blue jays had by then <laughs> blue jays building a new ballpark that's funny um but yeah wanted to say that as well that you know we're we're wishing jose bautista the best of luck and if it's a toronto atlanta world series which the way these young players are going for atlanta i'm all i'm all for that it would be something special and and i'll be rooting for it I know a lot of Blue Jays fans will be rooting for it too. So that's where I'm going to leave you for this week, this first full week of Locked on Blue Jays podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can follow me at NeoAC18. That's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. Also get at the Locked on Blue Jays Twitter, at Locked on Jays. Um, we'll, we'll perpetually let you know when you can catch the podcast and when you can catch some of the other pieces on that site and check out jaysfromthecouch.com and the wonderful stuff that's going on there. I believe Steven has a piece coming out there and I'm sure it's great because apparently he's smart and I'm dumb according to this week's point counterpoint. So check that stuff out. 
and just enjoy your weekend folks so for everyone here at locked on jays i'm ryan andrews thank you for listening to this episode number 19 of locked on jays and you take care